0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep
1: Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 11, Homefront. But before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast.
0: That is correct. And as I say, every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome. Um, We have given up on Twitter, so don't worry about that for now. You can find us where David said you can find us except for that place. (laughs) And um, we will engage with you as best we can. As we say also, uh, be courteous, be polite, and we'll all have a good time that way. Did also want to say that this episode will be the last episode that we do where there is such a significant delay between the live show and catching the broadcast on. Wherever whatever platform it is that you use to listen to um, podcast, uh, podcast, uh, typically we do this. You know, we record and everything else on Saturday evening, and then we do our editing process the next week, and then the episode comes out. We're gonna cut all of that out, and basically, when we go live, you can obviously tune in and watch us and listen to us live, and then about an hour to an hour and a half after the live show ends the episode will then be available on whatever platform it is that you listen to so just a way to kind of like um give you more stuff um right away and also to free us up to do some other things um with our um youtube channel and some creating other content and things like that for you um So, yeah, just look forward to that. And, again, this will be the last one. And uh, this is also to allow us to, you know, bring you more um, or, I guess, more up-to-date news on things that are happening in the greater Trekverse instead of you having to wait to hear them so long Mm -hmm. if you're a person, especially if you're a person who is only listening to the podcast and not seeing the live show. If there's something that you want to discuss or whatever, this will give you an opportunity to hear more about that in um, closer to time anyway than – you could before so hopefully that's okay with everyone hopefully I don't see why anybody would mind that they don't have to wait a week to hear the episode or anything like that but um, yeah Uh, just look forward to that and again this will be the last one Um, when this episode comes out which will be June 3rd when we come back the following week that will all be um, like Uh, right on pace
1: the new schedule will be debuting
0: (laughs) yes yes But I just want everybody to know so that you can have ample time to um, prepare yourself and, you know, just go ahead and schedule yourself to be a part of the live show. Because, you know, why wait an hour when you can see us right now, (laughs) right? So, yeah, look forward to that. Look forward to that change. Um, uh, But before we get into everything else we're going to be talking about tonight, David, how was your week?
1: It's been good. Uh, So this week is Memorial Day week here at, at work, so... The week itself was slow, and last week was slow, but this weekend, man, boom! You know, I've been getting people in. That's what I was expecting. Uh, I was talking with the manager, the guy right above me, who's like the guy I, I report to, and I was like, "Yeah, man, it's kind of slow right now, but I won't be surprised if come Saturday morning, it's gonna start being busy." And bam! Right at opening, ten o'clock, three different people walk in. It's like, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> Uh, Other thing going on is uh, I did finally finish watching season two of Altered Carbon, um, which I liked. It's not as good as season one, but I I think season one really knocked it out of the park. Season two is not a bad season, and Anthony Mackie does a good job of trying to follow up in the footsteps of the guy who's the character in season one. The actor's name, I don't remember. But Anthony Mackie is doing uh, her, her her Doing a, a fantastic job. Her, Herculin, her, her, her Hercules, her. I can't think of the word, how to pronounce, pronounce it. Herculean. Herculean, there you go. Um, anyway, he does a great job. Season 2 is great. Um, again, not quite as good as Season 1, only because Season 1 really knocks it out of the park, and Season 2 is having to follow up with, I think, uh, a great story. But the setting is different, and a number of characters are not present from the first season, they're replacing certain characters with new characters uh, because of the nature of the story. Um, I do plan on reading books... And correct me if I'm
0: wrong, but isn't this next season of Ultra Carbon, isn't it also set even further into the future? Correct. Or do they do a time It's a 30-year jump?
1: Okay. 30 30 jump from the previous season. Um, so the main character again part of the plot is that people can have their memories downloaded into basically these chips that are implanted into the back of their skull and so your body if it dies you can be replaced into a new body and so anthony mackie's character uh, anthony mackie the actor is the sleeve the new body for the main character in this season uh and he's trying to find his love interest. Uh, The woman he thought was dead, he uh, has been searching for her for the last 30 years and finally has a lead, and um, that's what season two is about. So yeah, Altered Carbon, great show on Netflix, unfortunately it was cancelled after this season, even though there is, uh, at the end of this season there is the the idea that a third season could start, but it is a, a fairly... Like, it, it's okay that season two ended where it did. Um, I don't have to have a season three to feel like the story uh, would conclude. It's not like it was such a cliffhanger that I can't say I'm sad it's over. It's I am sad it's over. I think it was a great show, um, but it's not like it cut off in the middle of a giant cliffhanger that, you know, everything's now ruined because the story ended. Um, so it's another season, another show with two seasons counterpart, the one with, um, I can't remember his name, but anyway, I mentioned counterpart a couple times. Altered Carbon's a great show. The show I want to watch next, which is coming out on Apple TV right now, is called Silo. My parents are watching it. Apparently, it's really good. Um, you, you're nodding so, your head there. Yeah,
0: I was because I saw the promo for the show and it instantly made me think of another sci fi show that was uh, incredibly short lived, but I thought had a lot of potential. And it was called um, Ascension.
1: I think that's what and, my parents said. I haven't heard of that show either. Yeah.
0: It's, um, from what I could see of the promo for Silo, the setup is the same. And so it's got me interested to, I want to watch Silo to see how similar the shows are. Um, Ascension, when it aired, was um, a story about these people who um, were launched into Deep Space uh, in the 60s, right? It was like, I think they were launched in like uh, 68 or something like that, I think that was the year. And so there was a lot of, Uh, you know societal and cultural changes and things that were going on around that time you know we had you know the civil rights movement was in full go and um, you know there was stuff going on with the military and everything else so there was um, you know you were watching this stuff kind of playing out on this ship that was traveling in deep space and um, it later turns out that they actually had never launched they were all um, had been tricked mm. into thinking they were on a spaceship when really they were basically in a giant weapon silo that had been fashioned into a um, a fake spaceship, and they were being fed fake data from the outside. To see how they on the outside, accident. right? Wow. But on the outside, it was like this long-term study, and it was like on the outside, it was 1999. Wow! But for everybody inside the ship, as far as they were concerned, it was yeah, like 1960. 1968, huh. whatever. And so um you were watching all of this this cultural dynamic play out along with the, you know, space aspect of it, and you're trying to figure out who knows what's really going on versus who doesn't and all of that. And it only had one season, but it was um I thought it had a lot of great potential. Especially considering like for me I it came around Right around the end of uh, the reboot, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think like the next year, this show was out, okay. and um, yeah, like it, it ticked a lot of boxes for me for what I was looking for, uh, TV wise right. at the time. And then it only had like one season. Right. and I was quite upset. I was like, How does it? How, why, why would you do that? I'll have to check <laughs> you, it out. It's a great premise. That sounds good too. And then one season. Yeah. Well, so
1: Silo so, is based on a trilogy of books, the Silo trilogy. The first book is called Wool and then Shift, and then Dust. So I've already gone ahead and ordered the books, because me, being a bibliophile, love books, love reading. So I want to finish the Altered Carbon books first, but because the Silo show is currently airing, I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to think, am I going to watch season one of Silo and then read the books? Because I sometimes like the idea of reading the book first, and then measuring the show against the book, but... Just like The Expanse, I love The Expanse TV show. I like Altered Carbon, the TV show. Uh, maybe I'll just do Silo, watch the, watch the first season as it's, it's coming out right now on Apple TV, read the books, see how they compare. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm looking into. And of course, okay. I've been playing Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom like crazy. I've been saying up way too late playing it. <laughs> uh, it's a fantastic game. It's really funny, too, because one of my yeah. friends... He's like further along than I am and like from the early onset, like he was ahead of me. And it's like oh man, like I feel like I'm playing a lot and he's already like way ahead of me. Like, what's going on? But I'm having man, a great that's, time. That's definitely, <laughs>
0: definitely how it goes. Yeah. I um I, I as I told you before I had started playing the uh Mass Effect series yeah. over again. Yeah. And um I've been following some people on uh Twitch who've are playing as well and we all had started it around the same time but they're already done with the first game when they're moving into the next one i'm like not even close i'm still in like the initial stages of the first right. game and it's because like i had decided that i was one i wanted to like read everything right. and like be a completionist yes. this go round. and so there's just like a, there's a lot of extra things that i'd completely forgotten about right. and so i was enjoying that but it does take a lot of time right. to do those things and then I'm also not playing every day. I wish I could, but there's just other things I have to do, like, you know, work and other stuff and whatever else. So, I mean, I I wish I could. I I really do, because I think I would, like, you know, knock some of this stuff out. But, um, But still, I'm enjoying it. But I said the same thing when I tuned back in one guy's channel that I was following on Twitch, and he was like, and I'm, um, you know, Moving in the, the middle of this, and he was, well, he was just talking about it, and I suddenly realized he was not talking about the first game. And I was like, oh, crap. And so, like, I felt like I had missed something, but I hadn't missed anything. It's just, he had naturally continued on, and I was like, okay, well, whatever. Well, it's, Fine. it's funny about
1: know. a new game like the one I'm playing is, like, you want to avoid spoilers as much as possible. So... Like, mm. it's funny. I've clicked on YouTube videos about the game. Like, I've gotten stuck. So I click on a little thing to, like, how do I get unstuck here? And now my YouTube feed is like, hey, all the content from the game everyone's putting out. Oh, You're like, stop oh, it, man. stop it, stop it, stop it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I was going through with... Um, Star Trek Picard yeah. when it was on because you know you you click a couple you know three or four videos in a row you click them and then all of a sudden that's all your feed yes. is I had to break it up and just start watching nature yes, documentaries so that, that was what yeah, my feed use. got filled <laughs> with so that I, I could get away from it for a while because yeah. 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 I have to do that now because, you know, I do. I, there's so much Trek stuff that's out right. and everybody's talking about upcoming shows and whatever else. In order to get a break from any of it, I just like switch to something random. Like I'll pick, yeah, nature shows or cooking shows or something like that to break it up so that I'm not just looking at, um, Star Trek right. all the time. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, kind of boring. I like you said, it's been uh, Memorial. It's Memorial Day right now, or this week weekend Memorial Day weekend. Right. And uh, I actually don't have to work tomorrow. But you know, I, I feel like I've oddly already filled up my time with things that I need to do, and uh, I don't necessarily want to be busy tomorrow. So I've been trying to like use yesterday and today to like knock out a bunch of things, so that I could just have a day to really just do nothing or just play video games or whatever it is, you know, um, but all that to say, and since you're talking about uh, books as well, that you want to read, I'm going to go ahead and jump the gun and start the next book in the expanse. Okay. Before,
1: uh, all right.
0: I think you, I think you should just go ahead and read something else for a while. Cause you finished everything yeah. too quick. Yeah. Let me get ahead that's of you. Fine, a that's fine. That's fine. I
1: got plenty to and read. Then, trust yeah. me.
0: <laughs> Cause I, uh, I need to catch up with uh, uh, my girl, officer. You Speaking know, of I, which, a bit.
1: last week, um, I mean, if you want to answer the question now. Yes, that's right. You did. Rosalind. You
0: did. Um, yes. Before it gets too deep into our show that we still haven't talked about our actual topic. <laughs> um I gave it a lot of thought and I actually ended up watching a lot of Battlestar Galactica just to... um, recently. Just to kind of, you know, and especially the first seasons. Mm-hmm. What I like about Laura Roslyn is that she is, um she's got this. She's quiet, but then when it comes time to, you know, utilize her power and authority, she does. And it's not um she's not like mean about it per se, but it's just like you fully understand that like she is definitely in control in the moment, right. you know. Uh Abasarala is very grand, yes. you know, like it was never a question <laughs> that she was, you know, uh, the the one pull on the strings, the, the true puppet master here. That was never a question. Plus, she just, she looks amazing. So, um, uh, it, it's hard, but I think for now, I am going to have to give it to Awasarala. I'm just, she's she is amazing. I think she's like what I wished Laura would be, and I think that what, what Laura eventually becomes, because we see a lot of Laura kind of like coming into the role and then not wanting to let it go, versus Avasarala, who was always in power, has a little bit of a shuffling, but even when she is kind of knocked out of her role for a little bit, she never is diminished in her um, scope or ability. You know? Um, So, I think that's what it was. I think, like, Laura kind of comes up to that, but Avasarala already is that. So, I think that's why that works uh, for me. All right,
1: so Avasarala, man, she beats out the uh, Battlestar Galactica Rosalind okay
0: but I love them both <laughs> and
1: um if I, either one of mutual them were to respect show up for and both said, Perry I love you <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no not to that degree I'm not gonna just, you know I'm not I'm not crazy here <laughs> okay I'm just okay. saying that I think that I think they're both fantastic characters I think they're both portrayed very well Mary McDonnell as uh um uh, Laura Roslin and then Sheree Agdashlu as Abbasarallah I think the both ladies do an excellent job with those characters there's a lot of things about them that are very similar um and i would i I would love to see more characters like them in other things or you know hey amazon give us the rest of the expanse already stop being jerks and give us the rest of the show we know that it's out there so like just do it already (laughs) all right but As I say every week, almost every week, we are not here to talk about the expanse and Laura Roslin and all that. Even though we could, and I totally could, Uh, we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about Home Front and an interesting episode, to say the least. You know, when we talk about you know what we're seeing here in regards to the changing face of the Federation and the looming Dominion threat, but also you know getting this odd this is an odd way to check in on like our favorite family, the Cisco's and seeing a, a new dimension of the Cisco family as well. So we're going to get into all that now. um, Did you want to give the recap? No, this is a you, this is is a recap. This is definitely a
1: you recap. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) So, uh, and you know, to help us out, I'm going to just kind of hit it high and and let's Let's go. All right. So uh, the episode starts with, um odo is complaining about dax moving things around in his quarters and he's complaining to quark of all people like that was really going to carry any kind of sympathy whatever right um he gets called into ops all of the officers are there in ops and Worf is informing everybody that there was this uh conference uh that had gone on on earth and something had happened at the conference they load up the video and we see an explosion and all the delegates um, wiped out in a huge fire explosion but as they slow down the video and they focus in on this uh, vase in the background we see that it shifts a little bit to indicate there was a changeling there when the bomb went off so I mean my first immediate question was of course did the changeling die in the video because I mean it's kind of implied that they died it's like I didn't realize that the changelings were suiciding or were a part of that kind of kamikaze yeah. nature but you know whatever so, um, Cisco and Odo are called back to, uh, Earth and they're basically wanting to get a, you know, Starfleet's wanting to get a more updated debrief and Odo's just kind of like, I don't understand the point. I put everything in my notes. There's no reason for me to go, but I'll go anyway. Cause you want me to, um, he and Cisco go, they leave everybody else back on the station. They arrive on Earth and this is where we meet, um, Captain Benteen and Admiral Layton. And we find out that Admiral Layton is the one who recommended Cisco for the posting at Deep Space Nine. And um, yes. Captain Benteen is the captain of the Lakota, which is the ship that brought them to Earth. And um, uh, Cisco had worked under uh, Layton uh, years ago. And that's kind of how, you know, they have this kind of, you know, obviously they have a, a positive past history, right. kind of a mentor, mentee type uh scenario right. here um cisco and odo meet with the captain and the admiral respectively and they're kind of telling them the same thing hey you know we're more than you know willing to help out but we kind of gave you everything in our reports and leighton's like well yeah but you guys know more about the dominion than anybody else so effective immediately cisco you are now the head of starfleet security and it's just like instant promotion <laughs> which hey you know I wish I could roll into a job like that. You know, you showed up thinking there was going to be trouble. And you're like, nope, we're promoting you.
1: (laughs) Well, there is is trouble and you're getting a promotion because of it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, because of the trouble. So, you know, so now they're talking about things that they can do to shore up their defenses. They're basically like Earth is, you know, a sitting duck. If this kind of thing can happen here on Earth, then it could happen anywhere. We really need to shore up our defenses. And Cisco's like, okay, well, we've got some things we could do to make things a little bit safer. Um, we just got to get clearance for that. Meanwhile... um Jake has come along with them as well because they were going back to Earth, and this gives them a chance to uh, meet with family, in particular uh, his grandfather Joseph Cisco. So now we see the the OG Cisco here, right, Granddad Cisco, and he runs a restaurant in New Orleans, which is uh, the Cisco family hometown, and he is quite the lively character he's got a story for every dish he's got a smile and a laugh and a joke he's got some kind of antiquated um folksy wisdom (laughs) for some things like uh, he tells jake the only time you should be in bed is when you're sleeping or when you're uh uh with a pretty lady um basically dying things along that nature dying
1: sleeping or with a pretty lady yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so something along those lines he's he's got there you know, and uh, we also find out a little bit more about uh, Joseph and we know that he is sick and this is actually a callback to an earlier episode when Oda was having a similar issue with dr. Mora and Mora was sick, and uh, Cisco had alluded to the fact that his father had suffered from a debilitating illness and they had thought that he was going to die then and it in the episode it's kind of alluded to that it makes you think that Cisco's father did die but it turns out it was just something that you know it nearly killed him and he never truly got back to full strength he never got his health all the way back so he's been kind of slowly suffering from some other things and we know that from this episode he's got um arthrosclerosis which is basically um the blockage and deterioration of uh veins and arteries and stuff near his heart um and so he's supposed to be seeing a doctor regularly. He's clearly not. And Cisco is concerned about his elderly father's health. Um, Joseph kind of waves him off. And he's just like, you know, don't worry about me. You got enough things going on here. And this is my home. And I'm fine. And so forth and so on. Um, Cisco is, you know, trying to shore up things with Starfleet Command. Uh, they go and meet the Federation president, Jarish Enyo, who I don't know... What race he is? i uh, he's a very interesting looking um alien, yeah. but he's the President of Earth, and they're trying to get him to give them um
1: authority to uh, put in.
0: permission to do. Yeah, to do more broad range controlling yeah. things, right? But Josh Enyo is concerned about the fact that this would basically be taking away from the near utopia like status that has you know cropped up on Earth. He doesn't want to be the president who kind of ended that and established a form of martial law. Cisco and Leighton are like, it's not martial law, but we have these open security issues that we really need to address. They use Odo to scare Enyo. He agrees finally to give the permission that they need they start implementing blood screenings phaser sweeps and all kinds of other things to kind of like beef up uh security um they end up running into an issue when it comes to the blood screenings because um uh, cisco's order makes it to where all starfleet officers and their families immediate families have to get regular blood screenings joseph cisco refuses he's just like you're not gonna take my blood you're not this is a you know i'm a free man i have you know rights and you're not gonna just come in here and take my blood and so forth and so on um cisco tries to convince him jake does the test he does the test um but elderly cisco's like i i'm not doing it i don't care um cisco's like dad you you don't go to the doctor you don't take your medicine you don't eat regularly you don't rest you don't do anything anyone ever asked you to can you please just one time yeah. get on board can you just do the thing and he's like mm, no yeah not gonna do it and uh <laughs> it's it's kind of funny like i know it was a very serious scene but i just i love that that was the breakdown because cisco is like begging with his dad yeah. to do this thing and his dad's just like mm-hmm no, right. I'm not going to do it. And, uh, you know, they start to, you know, kind of debate back and forth about it. Ends up, Joseph Sisko ends up cutting himself. Ben is so, you know, wrapped up in this whole who could be a changeling thing that he's, you know, is starting to even suspect his own father. So he's um, very
1: clearly The, the
0: cuts. Yeah. Yes, the cut reveals that he is not a changeling. He's very relieved by it, but, his, but Joseph Sisko is outraged that he discovered that his son even questioned whether or not he was a, a changeling. Right. This causes him to have a, looks like a panic attack, which then we later find out is a, a stroke. He has a stroke and is uh, later resting. Um, no, I forgot. Nog does show up. He visits at the restaurant, eating to, to eat tube grubs. Apparently, Joseph Cisco was getting these for him right. and serving them for him, um, and he kind of has some some complaints about. Starfleet Academy. There are some standoff, standoffish students who don't want to have anything to do with them. But he kind of knew this is how it was going to be because, you know, he's a cadet and he's a Ferengi and so the forth. Red and so on. Red Corps, that- the red
1: group or red core is it?
0: The red squad. They're called red squad. It's a new- They're like an elite group of cadets yeah. who. Apparently they get like top level training and clearance and secret missions and all these cool things and he really wants to be a part of Red Squad but they just won't give him the And a I am definitely
1: day. keeping an eye on these kiddos, let me tell you. Keeping
0: like- Yeah. Yeah. So, so um Layton and Cisco meet and while Layton's kind of okay with how things have gone, he wants more. He wants to beef things up even more. He wants more control. He's concerned that they're just not gonna get it and that Josh Enyo, while he's a great um captain and he's a grazerite, I looked it up. <laughs> grazerite is the name of his species. Um uh, that he's a great uh you know politician in peacetime. He would have been a great president in peacetime, but wars are coming. Yeah. And Leighton is convinced that, you know, if they don't take better security measures, then things are just going to go from bad to worse. And almost prophetically, he says this, and then all power on Earth is shut down. The relay stations and whatever else go dark. And, uh, you know, we're with Jake and Joseph in New Orleans when the power goes out, and they find out that this is planet wide. Um, Cisco Ben Cisco and Company are able to um, put out Starfleet troops thanks to the Lakota being in orbit, right. and they're able to beam people around the planet to get them in secure locations and so forth. And uh, they basically come to the conclusion that the only way that all of the power systems on Earth could have possibly failed simultaneously is with sabotage. There must be a changeling on um, on Earth. Um, wait, they already knew there was a changeling on Earth. Well. I forgot a key part there, because Odo had been shape-shifting Earlier in the day, right. or at least one of the right. days. And Benton Benteen and Leighton had come up to him shortly after he had resumed his normal odo form after being a seagull for a while and leighton admiral leighton is very insulting to him while he's there and odo kind of picks up on the negativity and he realizes that's not really admiral leighton and when he grabs his hand and kind of forces him to do their you know uh, changeling meld thing with him revealing that he's a changeling who then spirits away right, right? and so yeah leighton later asked him like how did you know and he's like i could just i could just feel that he didn't like right. me. Because as we know, Odo is the first changeling in history, apparently, to have ever harmed another changeling. Right. So this has created this this schism between him and the rest of his people. Right. So yeah, they know there's a changeling on, on Earth. Now we have the sabotage which is being blamed on the um, on the Changeling, and now Josh Enyo was like, that's it. Like That's more than enough to convince me I'm going to declare martial law, and it's done. Starfleet now has full uh, control and authority to do whatever they need to do in order to secure the planet, and that puts Admiral Layton Prime in charge, uh, just uh, like he wanted. Right. And this is essentially the end of the episode. The, um... It's obviously two parter. This is the first part. Next is going to be um, paradise lost and we see what happens. Gotcha. So that's it. Essentially. That's it for now.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it.
0: So, um, like I said, great episode, lots of great things to talk about. Um, but I love to ask you always first, of course, as the first time viewer, never seen this episode before, what did you think?
1: Yeah, so this one is a uh, again, we've said so many times that episodes need to be two-parters and this one I'm glad it is a two-parter because it, it it needs it and it's a great you know climactic moment. This is this is a big deal. I mean Earth, the center of the federation is being compromised by the 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 Dominion by by the Changelings and this is the worst-case scenario that they are impersonating high-level officials on Earth. I mean, we can't trust anybody—not a single person. If they can
0: get to if they can get to Admiral Layton, exactly.
1: Uh, I mean, they can get to anybody. I mean, do we even know that the Layton that we have now is even the real man? Like, it, it's still possible that.
0: I'm going to say that no, we're we're pretty confident that it is because remember they meet with Odo later and Odo's like, how did did you know it's not me? So it's clear that Odo has an ability to distinguish who's a changeling and who's not. He obviously has to be in close close proximity to them to know that. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that anytime we see Odo around anyone else they're probably not a changeling.
1: Okay, All right. Well then, fair enough. Point though being that, um, Outside of Odo's ability to, in close quarters, determine since
0: their ha- hatred, yeah, right.
1: it's it's this is the worst case scenario, and the fact that they could knock all of Earth's power off in one sw- fell swoop. I mean, I don't know how interconnected the energy is supposed to be in the future, but it's still got to be some massive undertaking, uh, even in the in the future of of, of, of Star Trek here. Um, so this is a big deal. Um, and it's, it's a good episode cause we see, you know, the buildup of, okay, how do we put in some security measures? We have Odo being the person that they use to test the security measures. Uh, he gets stunned 13 different times as they put in the laser grid thing in the rooms. Um, he pretends to be a suitcase so that when, uh, Cisco is trying to convince the president, Hey, this is serious. Oh, the suitcase you thought was just a suitcase is actually Odo. Um, so yeah it's uh it's a good episode in that sense. We got rising tension uh we have a serious threat. We've had this threat looming for you know seasons now for well, I guess for a season and a half'cause it wasn't really till season three that mm-hmm. we understood this threat um and uh yeah, it's we get to see the Cisco's. that's very important. We get to find out more I mean this is the first time we've seen Grandpa Cisco uh it really teaches us a lot about Benjamin Cisco. Uh, his father we're is. Gonna, we're
0: going to definitely get into that too. Yeah. That is cri- of critical importance. Yes. I feel.
1: Yeah, we we really learn. I would say basically the summarized version I'll give now is that, um, I think everyone thinks back on how their parents raised them, loved them, cared for them, failed them, and they use those experiences as they try and parent their own children. So you can see Cisco is trying to be very involved with his son and very and listen to his son and. And take feedback from his son because his father does not. His father is his own man and won't take feedback from so. Benjamin, and it it hurts Benjamin because he cares for his father. But his father is extremely stubborn, and that causes Cisco a yeah. lot of pain. Um, but anyway, we can really I go w- into.
0: I would say that that yeah, I would say that that family dynamic. You know, he's more as the elderly Cisco. He's used to clearly taking care of other people. He runs the restaurant. He is the man in charge. You know, he's used to, you know, he's very loving with with Ben, I would say, but at the same time, it's that constant, I am your father, you are not mine, so you're not going to tell me what to do thing that we're seeing play out here a lot, um, which I think is a classic um, trope that we see a lot when it comes to the father-son dynamic. And it's interesting to see, Like, especially on television, like that is that part I feel like is very, you know, very common. And then to watch Ben and Jake interact, and we see where Jake, where you know Ben listens to Jake, and he responds to Jake, and he gives Jake the the ability to make his own decisions and make his own mistakes as well, and not try to like overrule him or anything like that. Seeing that difference between the two of them is great. And then to see it like. You know, with Ben in the middle, we see his interaction with his father, with him and his father, right. and then him and and Jake. Great dynamic to see. I, I love that. So yeah, we are going to talk about that more for sure. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a great dynamic. Um, you get the, you understand why Cisco is so passionate about food and and his culture and who he is and. um And and we know that Jake has you know been around his grandfather. Oh man! Every time I have to go to the the restaurant, I have to cut up vegetables. And (laughs) Benjamin's like, ah, nope, you're an adult now.
0: Time, time honored tradition, right there. Putting the kid to work. Now you're going to be waiting tables in the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, he's not going to. That's what he says. He's not going to expect you to clean and shuck oysters. He's going to expect you to. Uh, bus tables yeah. and wait on yeah. tables. I
1: really wish we could have great seen stuff. some of that. We actually don't see any of that. But
0: I wish so too. Yeah. I, I really do wish that like we had seen them put Jake to work. Um uh, especially Mr. I Wanna Be a Writer and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, ex experience. Yes, Here waiting. you go. Here's a great yes. way to get some experience. That's exactly right. I know.
1: Well I also I also want to see some jake Cisco interacting with some earth girls you know he's been on a foreign station what's it he's been interacting with with alien women basically and but coming home to the girls from new orleans what is that like i we don't have That's we do have point. time for that i guess but i'm sure that nog and and jake <laughs> when they get together privately they reminisce about their escapades and the and their as they have been separated Uh, by not going away. That's
0: right, because, I mean, at this point, you know, because you have to remember, when Jake left um, home, as it was, he was nine years old. When we first first meet Jake, um, and they're on their way to Deep Space Nine, he's nine years old. Before that, we know that they were living, at least for a while, on the Saratoga. That was Ben's old posting, with, you know, and so Jake and uh, Jennifer were there as well. So, I mean, I would imagine that the t- the amount of time that uh, Jake has spent on Earth has probably been um, very little, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so here comes Nog, who has been at the Academy at least a it's year, no maybe a little, oh, oh, a month? Uh-huh. I said it's been a month, okay. Okay, so yeah, I mean, like, their experiences are probably going to be rather similar, you know, to a certain degree. But then, yeah, it's just like... Um, there has to be a cultural difference. Right. Like, you're, you've been on a space station, people are coming and going, and all that kind of stuff, versus people who are here, this is their planet, this is their home. Like, yeah, that would have been an interesting thing to hear about, right. at least a little bit more than what we got, right. you know? Jake does try to get Nong to talk a little bit about it, and Nam's just kind of like, they call it the Academy, but it's really just school. Yeah. You're back in school. Right. So. Yeah,
1: and uh, it wasn't until you were recapping the episode mentioning the Red Squad and uh we forgot to the uh, uh, one thing you didn't mention was that um nog goes to cisco apparently it's older official uh, officials officers who have to sponsor a cadet in order to be in red squad so it's not just this group of clicky popular cadets it's actually an official group of some kind and so he wants cisco to um to be his sponsor and and I have to say, I mean, Cisco is not at all – he's like – I mean, he's busy. We get he's busy. But he he doesn't want to give poor Nog the time of day. He is doing everything he can to squirm out of this responsibility to, oh, I don't want to sponsor anybody, you know.
0: Yeah. I think that it's – you know, I've thought about that a little bit. And I think that Cisco already sponsored Nog to get into the Academy in the first place and you know now he's back here he's in a new role himself you know he's been promoted Um, he's got a lot on his plate that he's got to do and not to mention not just with his job but also he's dealing with his father who is sickly and cantankerous and all the rest of it and here comes this kid needling him about yet another recommendation and he's kind of like dude you know you got to work at this stuff yourself like i can't do everything for you you've got to put in the effort you got to do the things if they don't select you they don't select you like find other people to sponsor you if you need another officer find another officer to sponsor you don't take advantage of the fact that i'm here now and try to get me to fast track you on everything that's how i took it because i mean it's one thing for cisco to be his mentor which i'm sure in a lot of ways he is Mm -hmm. but it's also like you gotta you know spread your wings a bit and get out there. You've only been here for a month yeah. and you're already want me to do you a special favor to get you on this apparent elite squad that I don't know anything about. Yeah. Like that's the other thing too, Cisco didn't know anything about red squad right. and you just want him to come in there and throw his name in and, and push you into something that he doesn't understand. Right. He doesn't know anything about right. it. So I understood kind of the frustration with Nog a little bit and kind of that dismissal, but I could get how for some people they might see it as, man, you're not like, why wouldn't you help him? Like he, this is what he what he wants. Like why wouldn't you do it? But I mean, Starfleet is not a. Uh, we're not. Don't do handouts right. here. You got to work for right. stuff. So find find someone else. Find another captain or a commanding officer somewhere else who could get you in.
1: Why well, just? I just laugh because it's it's the most Picard moment Cisco's ever had of <laughs> some younger. I mean, just, Picard's always supposed to be like, not like kids, or at least awkward around kids, and that's kind of the situation we have here, is a barely adult Nog. I mean, he is, if he is a, an adult, it's its as you know, he's
0: the, He's an adult in Ferengi culture. Yeah. In, According in, to in Ferengi culture, in, he is an adult. Yeah, in,
1: in term, he's only a, in term an adult. He's a, not, the reality is still yet to kick in. But anyway, point is, mm. is that, um, it's it's awkward. Cisco looks completely out of his depth. He's like, I got other things I got to do. This nog, Am I going to regret this? And you're already asking for favors and you just got here. Um, but, yeah, as you were recapping it, it made me think, wait a minute. Why were they talking about this Red Squad so much? And And the details around it are suspicious. So I'm thinking now next episode, I won't be surprised if Red Squad turns out to have something to do with what's going on. Uh, So I'll have to keep an eye out for that.
0: So for me, the mention of Red Squad made me think of the Next Generation episode where Wesley had gone to the Academy and then he ended up getting in trouble and almost got kicked out and you know all that all that stuff this elite group of students who seemingly thinks that they're better than everyone else and is trying to pull things off you know and it's risky it's very risky you know and i was just thinking yeah once again here we go we got cadets who think they know everything probably out there doing stuff and some you know some captain or whatever is not paying attention and just letting these kids run amok on his or her authority you know and and nog wants a piece of that because nog is a very ambitious individual you know you can blame that on his you know for heritage you can just blame it on him being who he is and he's always been very tenacious you know and he he sees an opportunity for advancement for special placement and he wants it and um yeah, I mean I could see the draw of of students like that, but he's not he's certainly not doing himself any favors by not informing everybody of what Red Squad is. Right. He's he's so in love with the mystery and the power that they seem to have, but we again, no one knows what Red Squad is. So why would you come to the guy that you want to recommend you for the thing and not have info on what it was yeah. i certainly wouldn't recommend somebody for a job or a position if i didn't know what it right.
1: was you well know, i mean but the thing too is is that when nog is describing it to 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 jake he's saying it's it's older cadets so like nog is way like if, if we're presuming that to be accurate like it's like a freshman saying why am i not on the, the varsity team you know of, of football? exactly it's like you're not there yet kid give yourself some time right <laughs> you may never get on and it there, be, frankly, yeah. but
0: it would be yeah it would be different if like and it would also be different too if he was a freshman who'd already proven himself when it was a little bit further into the year right. and transitioning you to the squad as you said he's only been there a month like what could you possibly know that would have you thinking that you're ready to be a part of this elite group that is clearly selected you're not you're not appointed, right. you're selected. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Nog is, he's, I think he's a little out of his depth yes. here um, asking for right. this. So, yeah. But now, you know, um, I want to turn our attention, of course, to the Cisco family because this is a very unique situation that we're getting to watch here with him and this is something that we've touched on a couple of different times throughout just watching the show in general we already know that um Sisko the Ben Sisko is a single father now we know when his wife died we know about his his deep concern of raising a child alone what's interesting here and I don't know if, if you really pick up on it or not but um joseph cisco in a in a way had a similar situation you know he's at some point his wife has either left or died i think we're just kind of left to assume that she has died that mother cisco has died we know that ben has a sister at least. We don't see her, but she's referenced here in the um, episode. But uh, we, so we do see here that this is kind of a continuation of a legacy here with the father and the son. Um, I think it's very important to bring up because, you know, in the in the 90s especially, this was not something that was seen a lot on television um, with these single-parent fam- single Um, households and having such a strong family dynamic family connection and for them to do it also uh, focused around a black family in particular in the nineties was just leaps and bounds ahead of anything else that was being shown on television at the time. And trust me, as a person who one grew up during that time, watching those shows and two has a particular fascination with nineties television (laughs) and frequently goes back and watches certain things. I can tell you right now, it just wasn't there. And, um, I give a lot of credit to Avery Brooks as I've talked about before who really took this role of black representation and black single this this the black single father dynamic. He really wanted to make this a very positive um a very positive message right. and and vision to put out right. there. And he, you know, was very controlling of this. He's mentioned that many times. In fact, there's an interview you can watch right now on YouTube where he talks about the, he felt like it was the single most important aspect of um, his character was representing this strong, positive black father, son dynamic. And, um, you know he, you know he's talking about the power of the media, with uh, the media being, of course, the television media. You know this is that uh, all important representation right. and getting that image out there and showing it. And um, I always thought that that Avery Brooks did a great job with it but watching the interview and hearing him talk about how he you know in particular he broke down certain things like this and going into these scenes and working them because he wanted to make sure that they were conveyed with a certain level of of comfortability and familiarity and and earnestness in order to convince people that this was just as important you know to everyone right. you know and um I just I don't know like how did you feel when you were watching this kind of dynamic evolve here on the show like um, any particular takeaways anything that you liked you didn't like
1: yeah um, what happened well I, I like I said I guess I've I would say I've really kind of hit on my my thoughts on it is that you can see how Benjamin Cisco has uh a, has tried to treat Jake in response to the way his father treated him his father loves him. does not treat him as an equal your his son does not get a chance to you'll get to tell me to go see my doctor um you know i you can't tell me what to do and the scene where where benjamin is so desperately trying to get his father please just take this test i i i'm the one who implemented this test um apparently you know cisco is kind of losing it frankly he's so frustrated and, and emotionally upset by the moment i thought he was emotionally upset because he was like his authority would be questioned like if, if he himself is giving permissions to his own father to okay you don't have to do the test and that undermines the whole point of the test throughout starfleet but in the moment the way the story is told is it's, he's now suddenly concerned his father is a, a changeling so the fact that his own father doesn't like when he when he cuts himself and benjamin sees that sees that and is relieved his father isn't like oh my gosh you are you are stressed son i love you how can i help you how can i care no he yells at his son he has a stroke Mm. because he's like you didn't even trust me ah this is how much you've been affected he berates his own son and it's heartbreaking uh because we know how much the the changelings are how dangerous they are. We know how serious Cisco is about this position. We know how much he loves his father, how much he loves his son is an indication how much he loves his father. And so you really feel torn um, because frankly, I don't think Cisco's me- security measures are going to be enough. We there's just, just no way there's mm-hmm. this, the changelings have done this to multiple worlds. This is tried and they they know how to do it. They are not going to have any trouble according to their just way of doing things of t- conquering Earth. This is just one more you know world in their collection at some at some point. They're just about to nick you know topple that last domino. Um, I'm not saying that Cisco shouldn't try. My point is is that the Changelings are very good at what they do. Nothing that Cisco has done has effectively found a Changeling yet. It was only uh, Odo who found mm. another Changeling. Um, so yeah, my it's great to see his father here and I, I i like the guy i like the character but yeah man it's it's so sad that you know grandfather cisco is is kind of a broken man in some ways he's a very flawed person and we can, i i i would say that that um, has helped that's developed cisco in a way which we learn why he is that way in response to his own father
0: I'm going to disagree slightly. I don't don't think that he was necessarily a broken man, but I definitely can see the... uh, He's a very proud man. He's a very... Like I said earlier, he's very much used to... um, I I don't necessarily want to say giving orders, but being in control, being in charge. And, you know, that is slowly slipping away from me. There's the realization here that, you know... There are far more days behind than ahead, and he is like everything he says if you watch him throughout the episode everything he says seems to be um all about denying the reality of his situation and just kind of being like everything's fine right. I'm fine the restaurant's fine look I can still do this 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 and this and you just need to you know not worry and you know go on about your business and I initially took his rejection to the um blood screenings as he didn't want ben to get his dna for like other tests and stuff because you know because ben was already on him about going to the doctor and he's like because ben even confronts him he's like i talked to your doctor he said you haven't been to see him in eight months and if you don't come in for this regenerative therapy you're gonna have a stroke and then he has a stroke you know so um I just took it as um, as him being just so he, – he wanted to be so uh, strong right. for a son and to present this strong demeanor right. for him. And again, this is kind of that common trope that you saw on a lot of TV shows, not just in the 90s, but just keep going back, of the father who is um, – like the gentle, authoritative figure, you know? Like not really scolding and coming down on the kids, but they were they were harder with them. Still loving, but harder with them. And there was never a crack in the facade, right? Dad is strong, dad always works, dad always provides, dad always does, you know, this, this, and this. Right. And then there would always be the sudden and catastrophic loss of the father, right? Like in the TV shows, Dad suddenly had a heart attack or died in a crash or something along those lines. That's what, that's what happened. And you didn't really start to see a shift in that really until like the late nineties started to kind of move away from that particular trope. But um, even then, like I was trying to look for examples of how they kind of switched away. And none of those were particularly flattering. Like you would see uh, the dad who either just up and just left you know and mom had to like round up the kids and fend for herself or the dad who died from um drinking too much you know so that was the new one he, he didn't have a heart attack anymore he drank himself to death or was a workaholic and now he's the CEO of a Fortune 500 company but he doesn't know his kids and i um uh what movie was that it was a Tim Allen movie and he had a kid who was with some like I don't know, archaeologist or something, and so she was. She had taken the kid and gone down to some island in South America, and Tim Allen was Mister CEO, Fortune five hundred, whatever, and his thirteen year old son tries to come to the city to find him, right. and he's like the wild child coming into civilization and all that. Yeah. You know, it was this stuff like that. This this absentee, um. Um, absentee father who then is this kind of has to learn to be a person in order to connect with their kid you know so um with with joseph Sisko here i kind of saw elements of that like he was so used to presenting himself one way towards his son he's always laughing he's got a great joke a, a funny story something about the restaurant there's just this very it's a loving atmosphere but it's a very controlled atmosphere joseph Sisko directs everything within it. Right. And now that Cisco that Ben is older and is a father himself and also has to oversee all kinds of people and everything else, he sees through it. He he's, you know, he, he understands now that his father is is different. And um trying to interject into that and get his father to take care of himself was where they were having their issues. It wasn't a um um, like a total lack of communication issue, but more the slow changing of their roles of caregiver. Who is the caregiver is changing here? So I I just found it very fascinating to watch, and I I just like the way that they did the approach here of of you know like I said, you know, watching Ben interact with Jake versus watching Ben interact with Joseph, and it's almost like he's uh, just two different people, you know. I mean, how he's so caring with Jake and he listens to Jake and he's joking with Jake and, and he's not overriding Jake or anything like that. He's, he's just there listening. And then with his dad, he's like, you have got to do this stuff. You've, this has to be done. There is no other ends ifs about it. Right. You, you know, that kind of thing. So the different dynamics, I just loved watching that very familiar family scene play out in the Star Trek backdrop because it's not something that we've ever really seen before. And again, great credit to Avery Brooks and to Brock Peters, Brock Peters who plays Joseph Cisco, right. of course. Um, great credit to both of them for doing such a fantastic job representing this uh, family dynamic here so yeah. completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a well done family dynamic um, for what we see so far. And yeah, I assume we'll get more of it here in part two. Looking forward to mm. to that again. I'm glad it's a two parter because it it this storyline yeah. of, of all the storylines that we've said, ah, oh, should be a two-parter. This is one that definitely needs it because this is our main threat. This is Earth. There, yeah, yeah.
0: There was just too much here for them to do this as a single episode. Between the Cisco family thing going on, the changeling on Earth, the um, you know Admiral Aiden wanting control. There's just there's so much that if they had tried to shoehorn this into one episode, it would have failed spectacularly because right. there just would not have been enough time to resolve everything. Right. So something would have been left kind of, you know, hanging out there and we would have had to just wait and hope that they would come back around to it at some point and in in all likelihood it would have been the Cisco family story. Yes. Did we ever resolve this drama or right. not? That would have been, you know, yeah. yeah, tossed in or shortened to give us more time for the And episode. there's one little detail we didn't um,
1: mention yet. Um uh, when when Cisco ahead. is talking with Jake um, Jake mentions, "Oh, did you tell your gr- did Grandpa yet that we've been asked to stay? Like you're gonna be staying in in San Francisco, not here in New Orleans, because you know their bed's always ready for them. And Jake mm-hmm. and Cisco's like, "No, I haven't told him yet." And that was like before they left. I think that was actually like when they were sold in the station. Yeah,
0: when they first yeah I th- yeah that's right. I think that's when they yeah they hadn't even left yeah, yet, so
1: it's we can yeah, tell there's right. a lot of tension there unfortunately it's it's uh
0: well there's this it's that it's that nervous energy yes. of trying to talk to your your elders you know and let them know right. about certain things you know it's uh it's yeah right. it's different but anyway, um, it really does
1: make me yeah like the, the jake Benjamin Cisco relationship has been stellar at every point um even a couple episodes yeah. ago it was Jake who was giving his father love advice, you know, like let your girlfriend, you know, if she wants to, um, make a decision about her life, she, you, you can't control her. You need to just be open with her about your own feelings and thoughts. And you need to give her the the respect she deserves of responding how she will to your decisions. And anyway, Jake gave feedback to his own father and his father listened, and it's it's it was sweet, and it was great, and it was lovely, and it, it makes you sad that his own father um, is just not that same way. It's, yeah.
0: So. And I, I have to say again, like you know, I love the Cisco family dynamic so much because, as a you know, as a single parent myself, um, I always find myself intensely interested in watching these kinds of things uh, play out because it isn't something that you see very often. And, you know, even in my own life, I don't know um, many other single uh, fathers personally. You know, I've interacted with a few here and there for different like, you know, groups and events and whatever else. But, you know, I'm not, there's not a single father friend group or whatever it is. I mean, well, I guess maybe there is. I've just never, you know, looked into it or whatever but i mean there are a lot of things about it that can seem very um isolating and also can seem um it it can make other things hard to do you know and and that's just being a single parent period not just as a single Mm -hmm. father but um you know trying to figure out a way to balance your life and your own personal uh aims and goals and ambitions while also raising your child and properly taking care of your child and representing and supporting your child. I think that's the thing that um I feel like I struggle with the most. I'm always worried whether or not I'm doing it, you know, I guess the right way or not and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and there's plenty of times where, you know, outsiders looking in and be like, Oh yeah, you're you know, you're you're doing great, you're doing fine or whatever. But, you know, in here it's just like, nah, there's like a you know, if I could describe it, there's like something just constantly screaming in the back of my head, you know, to just do it right, you know, just that constant whatever. And, um, you know, to watch as Cisco is trying to lead by example with his with his kid and then his own interaction with his father and trying to bring all this together while also handling the high stress and pressure of his job and what else he's going through. You know, I know that it's a fictional TV show, but I mean, this is exactly why, you know, they say things like, Representation matters because when you when you see that people are going through you know however obliquely um, similar things, it does kind of help to you know uh, formulate your own you know thought process on what you want to do. Like for me, my main takeaways in watching stuff like this is I know that in watching Joseph and Ben versus Jake and Ben, I know that I want to be my dynamic to be more like Jake and Ben's. Yeah. I want my kid to feel like I hear her and that I am here for her and I want to support her. And I may not understand everything that she wants to talk about or do or whatever, but I never want her to question that I am always going to support her and be there for her. Just like Cisco is for, you know, uh, Jake, Jake has all kinds of stuff that he wants to do that, you know, Cisco is just like, sometimes he's a hundred percent not down for like his whole friendship with Nog. That whole thing, he was ready to shut it down, but he trusted his son enough to listen and learn and to, you know, and ultimately he ends up referring Nog to Starfleet Academy. If Jake had never reached out to Nog and if Cisco had never trusted his son, do you think any of that ever would have happened? Absolutely not. And if, and again, if he had never done that, do you think Nog even would have had the courage to approach Cisco? to ask him to refer him to Starfleet Academy if it wasn't for his interaction with Jake and getting to know Ben through Jake and seeing how much Jake trusted his father and depended on his father. Like, without those two, um, the bond that those two had, we wouldn't have Nock in Starfleet Academy. So, like, I think about stuff like that and how just that indirect uh, relationship affected so many other things that we're going to see, not just in this episode, but in episodes to come right. that I just, I really love. And I, I, again, I applaud Avery Brooks for uh, taking it so seriously right. and, and giving such a heartfelt um, performance and building on this dynamic right. here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great, it, this, this is a good episode. This is definitely, um, one that I mean, obviously, it'll be like essential viewing. You got to watch
0: this one. Um, yes, this would be one I would say should be on that list. Yeah, 100%. Like that 100%. other 100%. one that we watched, yeah. whatever that was, Little Green yeah. Men. Stuff pfft, like that. This should be on. Yeah, this should be on, right. yeah, or should the be
1: last on your one list. The last one where <laughs> Bashir was James Bond. who's like, okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, what a waste of an hour, especially when you know that this ep, like when you know this episode is coming. But uh, could you imagine? going back to when these were all just originally airing and you had to sit through our man Bashir, which you probably laughed at. You took a little, I'm not going to deny, but then you come to this. And I mean, just the total up and down, (laughs) I would have been like, what is happening here? Talk about peaks and valleys, man. We were just, we were down. And now you're coming in here with this, and it's well, a two-parter in the middle of the oh, season. Oh, again,
1: I, I still love how how uh, Avery Brooks chewed scenery in that last episode. That that oh, alone yeah. is worth watching yeah. again. He chewed that scenery so hard. Oh, my gosh. He, you could have put a brick in his mouth, and it would have come out in, in pebbles. Um, but, yeah. Um, oh. But, I, yeah, this... I mean, I'm, I'm sad. I guess I'll say this, though. I'm sad that the rest of our cast had to be absent for this episode, because... Again, I understand. Uh, you know, we got war uh, the You know, they, they were.
0: It's a, it's a two-parter. Uh, it's a yeah, two-parter.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Maybe. I mean, enough of them are. I mean, there we have enough Federation officers on our in our crew. It makes sense that they would uh, be involved in some capacity. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Maybe there is something that we do next episode. I hadn't thought about that. I thought it would just continue as it's going on. But no, you're right. There's a chance that we could bring them in. Um. So I hope they're brought in because I would hate for. As much as I love the Cisco dynamic and and seeing changelings impersonate admirals we just met and talking to presidents, I, I love how it's a it's a the president of this of uh, the Federation is a an alien on Earth. razorite Yeah, it's just it's I mean it makes it's fine it makes sense and the Federation is larger than just Earth, but um, he's he's trying to basically kind of lead Earth. But he's not himself from Earth. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, it's basically a Which is something Cisco that himself is having to, to deal with as the...
0: And that's something that Admiral Layton says as well. He's like, you know, um Jared, you know, he's a great man, but this isn't his planet. Right. You can't expect him to care for it the way that we right. do. He says that. Yes, yes. So, yeah, he, he's very much aware of that as well. And, um, and what I always find interesting about that, too, is he's... He is the Federation president, but his office is on Earth, and he is intensely concerned with how things are viewed on Earth, right. of all places. Yes. It's just like, I mean, man, you. what about Vulcan and uh, Teller Prime and Andoria and so forth? Like, there's all these other places. There's a hundred and something member worlds of the Federation, right. man. like. I I get it. It's Earth, which is kind of like, you know, ground zero for uh, Starfleet. So, I mean, I I do understand. But at the same time, it's just like, we're kind of acting like Earth is existing in its own weird bubble, where it only has these resources right here to take care of this thing that's going on. But in reality, no, you don't. You have people that you can call from all over the place. And that brings up another point. When the power goes down, I just want to know how... How is that even possible?
1: Oh, yeah, as I mentioned, yeah.
0: There's a there's a giant space dock <laughs> in orbit around Earth. It's huge. How in the world did this thing not have a, an immediate backup? Well, they say like, the backups are this... taken
1: out too. Like,
0: that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, they even took out the backups, and then they were and they were transporting people from the Lakota. Why weren't you transporting them from space dock? It's huge. It's huge. The Enterprise-D can go in there and there's plenty of room to spare. There's, I, There's got to be at least a million people on the space dock. What were you doing? Why is no one contacting space dock and getting... Troops and and ships, are sending out. Why didn't all of your ships come out of space? Like at that point, form a protective perimeter around the planet because something must be coming. Like none of these things happened. There were so many things that was just like, nope. We only got like one ship and this handful of officers, and we're just gonna max them out and redeploy forces here on Earth. And and there you go. So many times I was just like, yeah, this doesn't make sense unless something isn't right. like and, and not just with the whole power shut down, but something else isn't right here. Something else hmm. is not being communicated. That's what I kept thinking, because there's no reason that Earth space dock shouldn't have been involved, that there shouldn't have been other ships around. We know that Earth has a perimeter security uh, system, automated drone ships. We saw them when the Borg uh, came to Earth in that cube that the Enterprise destroyed when uh, um, when um, was, Jean-Luc, yeah. yeah, best of both yeah. worlds, when he came, they destroyed him. I'm assuming since then they probably had to restock, yeah. rebuild. Okay, so that means we should have had the next generation right. of drone ships cool. to uh, protect none of it. We see no deployments, right. no nothing.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the fact that suspicious. only the Lakota is available is very weird. Um, why aren't there? Yeah, like, that
0: alone should have tripped some people off. Like why? Why only Lakota? Yeah, Dakota?
1: exactly. The other thing I, I I was thinking about as we've been talking, uh, as as you mentioned, uh, the best of both worlds is um, the the episode after all that. You know, part two was when Picard goes to visit his brother in in France uh, at the wine the winery, um, and that's has a very similar vibe to this episode where the the family member is this stubborn family member who who causes stress for our main character. I mean Picard mm-hmm. has like a mental breakdown at the end of the episode like all the stress of what had happened to him uh, is able to finally be expressed because of what he's experiencing with his brother. Um, so I, I don't know if if Cisco's not quite there. I don't know if it would be a similar dynamic, but there's certainly a similar theme of family causes stress in high tent situations. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, maybe we'll see more of that in the next episode. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I do want to touch on two characters real quick once again. And this is just to highlight kind of some behind the scenes of three characters. Um, we have, of course, uh, Brock Peters, who played Joseph uh, Sisko here. Um, little known fact, or that's not really little known, but... Um, Brock Peters is kind of a Star Trek alum. He has been in other Star Trek things before. He played Admiral Cartwright in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Both uh, great movies to check out. Star Trek IV, also known as The One with the Whales. So yeah, go watch that. And then, of course, The Undiscovered Country, which is the last uh, feature movie last full-length film to feature the original uh, Star Trek cast, Kirk Spock, all those guys. Wow. So if you're interested, go and watch those. And then, yeah, of course, he plays um, Captain Sisko, or no, yeah, Captain Sisko's father here in uh, Deep Space Nine. He also had a pretty famous uh, long time career. He was in the original 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck. Um, so if you're interested in seeing a very, very young Brock Peters, you should go and He's check that movie. Trial. you've probably already seen it yeah. yes he's the one who is falsely accused of uh raping the white woman in that case okay. in that movie so um yeah you should definitely go and watch that as well you've probably already seen it. a lot of us watch that in like school oh, yeah. and stuff because we you know you read the book and then you watched the movie that was called always the thing i remember watching it in school um as well so um yeah brock peters uh great actor great uh, you know kind of a legendary figure on both on and off the screen he did a lot of uh, theater stuff as well so um he passed away uh in uh 2005 2005 um so you know go and check that movie out uh check all those movies out the star trek ones to kill a mockingbird all of them um Great films to watch. My personal favorite film featuring the original cast, um, besides um, The Wrath of Khan, is The Undiscovered Country. It's a great movie, and I think it's a great final send-off for that crew as well. Um, the last one, of course, or the next one is Admiral Layton who um, we do see also in a couple of different treks. He, We first see him here in, in Deep Space Nine as Admiral Leighton, but he later pops up in Star Trek Enterprise. He plays the uh, Vulcan minister, which is basically their equivalent of president. Uh-huh. Um, he's like the first minister, I think is his title or something like that. So... Um, yeah, he's there as well. And I would tell you more about him, but if I tell you any more about him, it's going to give away everything that's coming up in part two. So we'll be back to talk about Admiral Layton. Okay. Le- he also turns up in Babylon 5. He was an admiral there. Um, but he, I forget what his character's name was in that one, but his he got, goes missing. Okay. And I don't think he's ever found oh. in that one. And then, of course, we have Captain Benteen, who is the captain of the Lakota. She should look very familiar to everyone because she also played Dr. Leah Brahms on Star Trek The Next Generation. The hologram-turned-real-person love interest of Geordi LaForge. Yes, that is Leah Right there. Oh, really? So she looks really different. Looks real different, doesn't she, with that hairstyle and a uniform change. It's yes. amazing what it'll do for a person. Yeah. But yes, that is Dr. Leah okay. Brahms uh, yeah, right. masquerading as Benteen All right. Yeah. No, I
1: mean so, her whole yeah, her whole style, personality is
0: the style, demeanor, all of it was completely different. So like, like it took you a thin, second, and... but I kept staring, I was like, yeah. I know I've seen her and then and then she talked. Right. Wow. Right. Well, I mean, it it was several years, you know, in between when she was on next generation to here. So yeah, she probably was, you know, working out, took care of herself, whatever it is, and trimmed up a bit and rolled in for a Starfleet uniform. Well, I just I mean she wasn't wasn't unattractive before, but I'm just saying, Yeah, well she's different.
1: Her her role here as the as a captain is is as like a you know, a fit you know, a fighter. You know, she's meant she's not just a scientist with her hair down in more casual civilian clothes, like she is, you know, she is she looks athletic, is I guess the is the term. She looks mm-hmm. very fit. And so I if you had said it, I would never have guessed. I mean, part of her face looks familiar. Like if you had said, Do you think you've ever seen her before? I might have gone like, maybe, but the fact that she's lip like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Completely different. Yeah. But it's her. Okay. That's that's yeah Lydia. She's back. So, yes. And then one other slight call out that I wanted to do as well was if you were paying any attention at all, you would have also noticed that Cisco's uniform changed for this episode. Uh, it did look like, it had, like we, it had, yeah. Yes. When we first see him, right. he's wearing the one that's all black and then it's got the red shoulders. You know, we, we've gotten used to seeing him in that one pretty much the whole time. Then when he made it to earth and he gets his promotion, right. he is now wearing the TNG style uniform, which is the full red with the black shoulders and the red arms and everything else. So, um, some people have tried to like figure out a uh, reasoning behind the uniform switch. I just think that there was probably like behind the scenes, there was probably some issues um and you know with costuming or whatever so they were like here put this on um uh, but i believe that the (laughs) in-universe right i think that the the in-universe reasoning behind the uniform change was that um he is no longer assigned to a fixed position like a station or whatever so that's why they changed the uniform which to me i was like but he's on a planet which is like the ultimate fixed (laughs)
1: position so
0: that doesn't make any sense so, but yeah, it's just, he was promoted and his job title changed. And so his uniform changed accordingly, just like gotcha. Worf when he comes onto the Deep Space Nine and his promotion and then his uniform changed. Yeah. So um, that's man. what they said, but yeah. yeah, but I was just like, mm, not quite buying it. I just think that y'all needed to put him in something that made him stand out a bit more. Cause if you think about it, he, he stands out more in these scenes because everything else is like a very, bright pale something or whatever and then he walks in and he's a very vibrant splash of red in the scenery and it was often just him and then like next to odo or something you know um so yeah right. but that's it that those are kind of the call outs that i wanted to make um for this episode and kind of just touching on everything um before we wrap up is there anything else that you would like to say david about uh home front?
1: no i think i said my piece
0: yeah there was a lot here uh, as we said and it is a two-parter episode so there will be more that we get to talk about next week and um, that one will actually be like as close to live as we can be so be ready for that Um, of course you'll still be able to find us anywhere that you find podcasts I happen to listen to us again on Spotify because let's face it I love the sound of my own voice so um, all that to say please you know Find us, follow us, join us. If you have any questions, comments, throw them our way. We'd love to uh, talk with you about them. But until next time, take care of yourselves.
1: Thanks, guys.